Sarah and I stand over a wide terrace overlooking hundreds of Europe's best journalists. They are furiously typing at their keyboards and fighting for a few feet of space to conduct live stand-ups and interviews. In many ways, it was the holy grail of European political coverage. Hi, Capital J listeners. This is Joe Snell. I'm here with Mark Satter, and today we have a, a special guest, our colleague Sarah Wilson. We're going to be talking about our trip to Brussels. Uh, we were part of a EU delegation of U.S. graduate journalism students to spend a week in Brussels to learn more about the EU, and the trip concluded by us getting an opportunity to cover the EU summit. Hi, this is Mark Satter. So. This trip was organized by the EU delegation to the United States, and it sent, I would say, a couple dozen graduate journalism students from all over the U.S. to Brussels. So there were people from Northwestern, where we go to school, uh, NYU, um, USC. We had some from Cal. Missouri. Missouri. Uh, So this... Like a large part of the trip was um, kind of meetings with experts in the EU. Um, and unfortunately, all of those meetings were off the record. So we couldn't really report on them, but they were useful to just kind of gather institutional knowledge. There was a lot about the kind of framework of the EU, how it works as a governing body. And then we talked about you know, a lot of hot issues, uh, cybersecurity challenges, disinformation, climate change, uh, migration migration, hard military power. Yeah, I'd say it was interesting from a lot of standpoints as an American who never really studied the EU or kind of what the EU means at its kind of more minute level with like the council, the commission, and the parliament. It seemed like in our group a lot of people had very um, kind of varied knowledge of certain issues. Some people were asking very specific policy questions, whereas I was kind of 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 the mindset of just kind of stepping back and learning as much as I could. Yeah, and I mean, so other parts of the trip, um, other than kind of like sitting in these meetings and learning as much as we could, um, we did get to get out and explore a bit. And part of that included visiting Politico's Brussels office, which, I mean, like Sarah, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um, so Politico actually has a really large operation in Brussels just because it is the European political hub. Um, So we got to sit down with uh, the uh, bureau chief there and he had a lot of really interesting insight about what it would take to be a foreign correspondent. I think it really just hit home the necessity of knowing a second language, something I'm already behind on (laughs) and may never actually accomplish. But it was just interesting because Politico has their website but they also have a really interesting um, kind of in-depth magazine that they produce for um, the EU and so it was nice to see like a very beautiful print product. Um, still kind of being successful and having an audience. One other thing is that they drew a lot of parallels between Brussels and D.C., Mm -hmm. talking about Brussels as kind of like a, you know, a political hub within Europe, but also a bubble um, in and of itself, just as D.C.'s can often be, can often feel like a bubble, and in in many ways it is. Um, So that was interesting, um, being on a different continent, but still having some of the same reporting issues. It was, we were there at a really interesting time, actually, because at the end of our trip was an EU Council Summit, which is, well, it happens at least four times a year. Um, it happens much more frequently, especially kind of after, um, like, the Brexit vote. Um, and so this was kind of really special. We were able to get accredited to cover the summit, um, which was very cool and kind of a, a once-in-a-lifetime 
well, hopefully not once in a lifetime, but <laughs> kind of a cool career uh, milestone. Um, so the summit is just a meeting of the 28 or now 27 heads of state within Europe to discuss um, policy issues and kind of set an agenda. And so kind of the main agenda items during this summit were was Brexit, mm-hmm. um, finally negotiating an exit strategy, and then also Turkey's recent aggression. It was particularly special moment, too, because it was the last EU summit for a few of the leaders of the, the European Union. It, it was Donald Tusk, who's the president of the EU Council. Commission. EU Commission, and Jan, Kold, Jan Claude Juncker. Nice. <laughs> it took a few tries to practice when I was there. Um, who's the president of the Parliament. EU Parliament. So it was that on top of the some of the Brexit things. So it was the last day, uh, last working day of the trip when we got an opportunity to cover. And it was Mark, Sarah, and I first got to the EU Council building, and uh, they had already conducted a lot of walk-ins with the leaders of the EU. So what they do with the walk-ins is they have an official like EU uh, media crew. So they do a lot of the video of the leaders walking in and they also um, record them leaving and they do a lot of B-roll of uh, the meeting room and um, also some of these areas. So we talked about like the uh, Turkey's aggression, the, the pull footage of, of Turkey and things like that. So Yeah, I have a correction to make. Uh, Donald Tusk is actually the president of the EU Council and Jean-Claude Juncker is the president of the commission. I goof that one up. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. 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 Um, yeah. So uh, when we first got there, we wanted to do a, a social media post. So it actually took us a bit longer to record the Instagram video than we thought because when we got there, we recorded all of our bits and as we did the first few recordings. Uh, and deciding where we were going to record, we were told that we had to leave the space and go into this this major kind of journalism hub. So we walk into this. It's essentially, it's not an entrance area, but it's this large, I don't know what we would call it, this large like foyer area. Yeah, it's like this massive hall where they had set up um, these sets of very long kind of communal tables. Just rows and rows of tables. Yeah, I mean, enough to fit, I mean, what, at least 200, if not more, journalists from every conceivable European and American outlet. This is across print and video, and I'm sure there was social media uh, people there as well, doing anything from writing articles to doing stand-up to I saw a few video people pulling pulling others for interviews. Uh, so we were looking for a space to do our stand-up, and after a few tries, we ended up going to a second-floor balcony overlooking everything. And most of it seemed like most major uh, video producers had already set up out there because um, it was a pretty cool backdrop. And um, we took about four or five tries to do our video, but we ended up doing it. After Mark, Sarah, and I finished recording our uh, social media video, we saw David Herzehorn, who is the bureau chief for the Politico office in Europe. I, th- I think he's not the bureau chief. I think he's actually... He's the chief Brussels correspondent. Uh, yeah. So we had a chance to say hello to him. And after we shot that, it was 
Was it later that same day we did the stand-up video? I think that was actually the next day. So the EU council meetings are often held over two or three days. And on the second day of the council, um, that was when the heads of state announced a deal on Brexit. And they announced some of their conclusions on um, Turkish aggression in northern Syria, etc. About all the other things that they were discussing that day. I decided to go to the Magritte Museum because I uh, wanted to be a tourist. And I had a lovely time. Sarah was getting some cultural enrichment. And Joe and I recorded a quick stand-up in the main kind of hall of of that press center. Yeah, so after we recorded that stand-up and we went back to the hotel later that night... I had an opportunity to dump some of the footage in my laptop and do some quick editing. The cool thing about the EU is all those media individuals they like set up there that work for the EU put up all their footage free of use on uh, the EU Concilium site. Uh, so as long as you cite uh, whatever the site tells you to for each uh, particular video, uh, you can use some of the walk-ins and um, some of the establishing shots of some of these countries. So it, it really helps you... Um, if you're kind of a freelancer, it, it helped us in particular um, to make our coverage look uh, more expansive. Professional. Professional. Yeah, no, having that like kind of unlimited pool footage and audio, which some of which you're hearing throughout this episode, is super helpful. No question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed learning about policy, but to be honest, I think the most kind of beneficial aspect of the trip for me personally was meeting um, a bunch of other graduate journalism students particularly just to compare how our experiences are. Like some of these schools were ones that I applied to and I was just genuinely curious about how it was working out for them. I just really enjoyed kind of swapping notes and kind of comparing whether our programs are very experiential heavy or they're very classroom heavy. And we got to meet a lot of really cool individuals that are doing some really great work. This one uh, student, Sarah Trent from Berkeley, she writes a lot about um, climate change and kind of kind of environmental act activism and it's been really great to kind of follow her and read some of her longer pieces that she's been publishing and then of course we also met a few students from American University so now we have kind of those great contacts and colleagues um, within the city. Yeah so American University if you don't know is also based in DC where we are. All right I've got a question for you guys what was your favorite moment of the trip? (laughs) Good question. I think my favorite moment of the trip was actually being in the final press conference given by Juncker and um, Tusk. Uh, It was their last time addressing journalists uh, at the EU um, because they were both um, stepping down from their positions or reaching their term limits. It was kind of like a cool energy in that room. Um, They were both serious and they addressed the questions of all the journalists but then at the very end um they kind of were joking around and thanking all of the reporters in the room for their coverage and for having been able to work together um with all of them present 
they received a, like a standing ovation from all the journalists in the room, which is, um, I mean, that's pretty rare. For, I wouldn't see that happening in the U.S. Yeah, no. I mean, for journalists all to really show that kind of appreciation for government officials is, uh, was kind of incredible to see. Um, I think my favorite um, part was going to the commission daily briefing because it was really fascinating kind of how formal it was almost and how the spokesperson for the commission wasn't really answering any of the questions that were being asked just from like just from like an observational standpoint. It didn't really seem like any of the journalists were getting good quote or content. Um, And I thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Also, this press briefing room was humongous. Um, And so that was interesting. Uh, Something we had an opportunity to sit into was Sean Klein, who's a a BBC correspondent. um, Former. The former, excuse me, former BBC correspondent. And he... Uh, walked us through kind of what he had done before and some of his history, and he answered some of our questions about what it was like to be a uh, a foreign correspondent, also just to cover Europe and some of the the similarities, but a lot of the differences between covering things in the U.S. versus some of the work that he did. Yeah, and then we had a great dinner with him later that night um, where he kind of shared some more personal details about his experiences. I had a specific question about kind of female foreign correspondents and some of the challenges, some of the barriers to entry for that kind of specific career path. Did you guys have any impressions of Brussels itself as a city um, that you took away from? Because it it was your first time there, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, it was a lot of conference rooms. Um, that we experienced. Not as much um, city or sightseeing, but I did get the impression that it might not be somewhere that I would go simply to visit, maybe for a weekend, but I'm not really sure what there would be to do for like an entire week. It didn't seem like a very big cultural hub. And you had the mannequin, the mannequin piece, but that's it. (laughs) That's right. We got a chance to go out in some of the evenings to experience some of that. And my impression is similar to Sarah's. Also in the sense that it felt like a hybrid of German and French culture. And I had a hard time like picking out the distinct outside of, I guess, our trip to the the waffle shop and some like peeing statues. Um, I didn't like uh, pick up as much of the distinct Brussels culture as I would have liked. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. It seems like the kind of city where you need to really be there with something to do. Um, It's not like New York or London or Paris or whatever where you can just walk around and find something interesting. It's more like um, you should have an itinerary if you plan on going. But then, of course, we also didn't. I mean, I really wanted to go to Bruges or some of the other yeah. towns around it, surrounding it, and we did not get a chance to do that. So, Sorry, Sarah. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so the security in the city leading up to the EU summit on the final few days seemed like a very well-oiled machine because they brought in a lot of what I'm guessing are Brussels police. They yeah. weren't, yeah, Brussels police. They knew exactly where they were going. They knew exactly where to set certain things up. They seemed to have answers to a lot of the questions that were being asked in terms of where people need to go. So there was a 
Um, for the most part, <laughs> except for that. Except for the, except for when we were trying to get our press passes. That was the train people, though, wasn't it? Or was it? We like we got so lost trying to pick up our press passes, and every cop told us to go somewhere different. And we like yeah, we tried to go through oh the gosh, metro. I forgot about that. That's right. And we like walked all the way around the building, and it, like it took like an hour. So there's generally a white tent that you have to go through on the first first few days to get in i don't know why they made us go around that last day was that something special i don't know there was just a lot of confusion but in general yeah like the the um, security presence was although it was very heavy it was also like kind of subtle in some ways um and uh, yeah exactly what you said just like felt like they had done that and practiced it so many times um that they really had it down yeah, I mean, I feel bad for tourists that were there that didn't know that the summit was going on and decided to kind of stay in that Schumann area because there were a few blocks kind of just completely closed um, that you couldn't access. I mean, we could because we had our press passes, which turned out to be very convenient for that reason. Um, but yeah, like the whole metro stop was closed and I think like a, a radius of like three blocks around kind of those main EU buildings were off limits to the average pedestrian. Yeah. We talk about uh, like one of the cool perks about being a journalist is having access to places. One of the ways that was felt was on that EU summit because that badge really did allow us to get into these places fairly easily and and it helped a lot. Definitely. And I mean, at one point, like, you know, a lot of the journalists that are with were with us on the trip were like 10 feet away from um, mm-hmm. from heads of state, you know, from Macron and from Merkel, et cetera. Uh, which is, I mean, really a cool experience. That was a, it was a cool opportunity at the last press conference that you were talking about, too. We could have sat in that front row right next to some of the leading European journalists just feet away from Donald Tusk and, and Juncker. Yeah, no, it was quite cool. Would you ever cover, would you guys ever consider moving to Europe to cover the EU? Sure. Yeah, it's not necessarily my career aspiration. Um, if I'm going to just be honest, a lot of the reason I well, I mean, I'm down for a free trip whenever, wherever. Um, Heard it here first. <laughs> so, but I also came from it, came to the trip knowing that not necessarily a, something I wanted to do with my career, but also something I know very little about and always want to learn more. Um, and so I think that I learned a lot. I think I, I definitely would consider it if it was the right timing and the right um, bureau, but also, like I was saying, that language issue might prevent me from ever doing that unless I just started really aggressively learning French um, or German. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned that towards the beginning, but I mean, it was emphasized by probably four or five different people the ability to speak a second, sometimes a third language. I didn't realize before I went over there how much of it operates on languages other than English, particularly French. Um, in fact, a lot of the places we went, because um, at least a few of the people I spoke with didn't speak any English at all, and that, that caught me to loop. That they were working for the EU, and it just Yeah. I mean, idea. I do think there is a need for American journalists to write about EU and European politics for an American audience, just because obviously there's such a lack of understanding. Um, I'm an example of that, of not knowing what's going on in Europe. Um, so I don't really know... I guess I have yet to see some best practices for how to do that well. I feel like we see the odd uh, Brexit story or if something really big kind of breaks through the American media. Um, But yeah, I think that there's definitely a gap there um, 
So not necessarily a correspondent, but perhaps a political journalist focusing on European politics for a, an American audience. Yeah, sure. Also, I mean, going back to what, what you two were saying about the languages, like I'm definitely a firm believer that if you are a foreign correspondent somewhere, I mean, whether it's Brussels or you know West Africa or wherever, um, that you should be making like a real effort to learn the local language. Because otherwise, it, I mean, it's just impossible to like really understand the people that you're trying to report on. That's my soapbox. Thanks for listening to Capital J. This is Mark Satter. Sarah Wilson. And Joe Snell. And follow along on our social media and the link to our podcast page, um, which will be in the description of this, um, for coming up soon. And download Duolingo so you can learn a second language. (laughs) We were not paid by Duolingo.